What is up, my friend? Welcome to episode number 29 of the Anthony John Amix podcast. And today we're going to be talking about the power found in loving what is. Now, I first learned of this concept from Byron Katie, and since then I found there's like this a ton of power from embodying her philosophy. And learning to love what is has really helped me negotiate and clear up real estate deals. It's helped me have more peace and fun with my clients. It's helped me create more connection and intimacy with my wife. It's helped me see like what is my part to clear up in relationship drama and my immediate family. And it is by far one of the most powerful tools I use to shift out of the shit of life and get back into and maintain high levels of power to create life as I choose it to be. So in this Sunday sermon edition of the Anthony Johnny Mix podcast, I thought like, man, I would go deep and teach you how to fully embody the power of loving what is. This way you can shift into a place of power and really create a new level of peace, purpose, and profits quickly. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Anthony John Amex podcast, helping entrepreneurs break through to new levels of peace, power, and profit. Prepare to open your mind to the proven tactics and strategies the world's leading intellects have used to avoid a stagnant career and achieve a life of freedom, purpose, and success. It's time to increase your levels of power with your host, Anthony John Amex. All right, welcome back. Well, before I dive down the rabbit hole today, I just want to let you know that I've created like this custom checklist to help you follow along with what I'm going to be talking about today. It's really just kind of um, a journal prompt list, I guess is what you would call it. And so if you want that, simply go to ajamix.com slash loving what is to grab that now. It's absolutely free and it really will make the rest of this episode a lot more impactful. So again, just go to ajamix, that's ajamyx.com slash loving what is. Uh, you can go to that right now. So with that being said, let's officially kick off this Sunday sermon and get into the power of loving what is. Well, here's the thing. Many people are hemorrhaging massive amounts of their creative power, their life essence, if that's what you'd like to call it, to what they believe other people in their lives should be doing or what they believe that other people in their life shouldn't be doing or what they believe they themselves should be doing or shouldn't be doing, right? And for as long as they stay attached to the stories, like the beliefs, right, of what should be or what shouldn't be, I have you considered that. You're, these people are living in an illusion because what most people are themselves should be doing or shouldn't be doing, like that's not happening, right? Like it's not reality uh, because it's not happening. So that's a complete waste of time and energy to argue or to attempt to solve the should. Like it, it's not real. I mean, if it was, then you wouldn't be saying someone or yourself should be doing something. Like it would be happening. Yet, time and time again, people get caught up in drama all around the shoulds of life. And, and I'll be honest, like, man, I'm guilty of this at times as well. And thankfully, due to what I've learned from Byron Katie in her book called Loving What Is, I've learned how to become acutely aware of when I fall into the trap of shoulds. And so rather than me wasting my time, like I can simply choose to take responsibility for what part of the creation is mine. You know, lots of people, they like to place blame. They like to point the finger at other people. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, Jesus says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all of the time there's this plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. 
See, learning to love what is is choosing to take the plank out of your own eye, right? Like Jesus talks like about this thing, like, hey, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you're going to be able to clearly um, help your brother, right? And this makes sense to me because when you fall in love with what is, what happens is it increases your capacity to take responsibility of your plank, which then increases your capacity to be able to go to your brother, your sister, whoever you're, you're in drama with, and be able to help them remove the speck because you're in integrity, right? And so today, I want to teach you a framework that will help you see the plank in your own eye. You know, when I read these words of Jesus, you would think that having a plank in your own eye would be painful enough that you'd be able to locate it pretty quickly. That makes sense, right? I found this isn't the case. I found that the plank in our own eyes is actually pretty sneaky. It, it's subtle. And at first it can take probably, I don't know, 25, 35 minutes to be able to find that plank. Yet the first step to finding the plank is choosing to make a decision to be the one in a relationship that's willing to look for their own plank first, instead of blaming and shaming others out of the judgments. You know, I found, you know, relationships are usually like this direct reflection for how we are relating to ourselves and others. In 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, Paul wrote, Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. You know, people use this verse in their weddings all of the time. I know this because I've been known to officiate a wedding uh, or two in my day. In fact, I did my sister's a few years back, and I'm doing my primo uh, coming up in November. And if you don't know what primo is, that's Spanish for cousin, just in case you don't know. So I'm super stoked about that. It's going to be it's going to be fun doing weddings. But here's my point. Most people have no idea what these words that Paul wrote really mean. Like they sound nice, yet do they understand them? Fuck no, they don't understand them. Because most people have a messed up version of what they call love. For most people, what they really mean by love is if you do X, right, then I'm willing to give you acceptance. Now, on the other side of that, if you don't act in a manner that's in alignment with my unspoken expectation of X thing, well, then I'm not going to give you acceptance. I'm not going to give you love. And this, my friend, is conditional love. It's really more like an agreement, really. It's not really love, for love is unconditional. Love is what Paul wrote about. It's choosing to be patient when you want to punch somebody in the face. It's not proud. It chooses to sit in the pocket with another human. It chooses to seek to understand rather than fix. It protects. It trusts in the goodness of another human. It hopes for the best. It perseveres through the dark, hard times. It holds space for another human's pain. For love never fails, like period, like it is the light in the darkness. Now, this is a nice thing to say, yet it's a whole other ballgame to fully embody, especially when our mind is convinced that our story, right, our belief of what is right and what is wrong is right, and that others should do things differently. You tracking with me? So how do we get back into a place of power known as love? Like, how can we use the power of relationships for the mirror that they are and quickly learn the lessons that are presenting themselves for us to evolve our soul and expand into the next greatest versions of ourselves? And that's a really, really good question. 
Well, Byron came up with what she calls inquiry, right? And I like to call it shifting your stories. The process essentially allows you to become the objective observer of your thoughts and then reframe them until you find the belief system, you find the story that empowers you to create the results you seek. And loving what is, Byron proposes that there are three businesses in life. There is your business, God's business, and their business. And the only business that you have any control over is your business. So this means that any amount of time or energy that you attempt to control their business or God's business, you're attempting to control things that you have absolutely no control over. And if you're doing this, then you're just wasting your precious time and energy. And I don't know about you, but I choose not to make time for that nonsense, you know? And so I just want you to be open to understanding that learning to shift your stories is a way to access what your business is and then give yourself access to the only thing that you can control, which is you, right? And your results. So how do we do this? Well, through a simple set of journaling prompts, which is one of my favorite ways to do that. And by the way, I told you at the top of the show, like I created a special PDF that has all of the journal prompts me walking you through. I mentioned that at the beginning of the episode. And so you can find that checklist. You can find these journal prompts for free by going to ajamix.com slash loving what is and I highly, highly suggest you go and download that. That way you can follow along as I kind of teach you how to use these journal prompts. And also I must tell you, what I'm about to share with you is one of those things that's simple to do, simple not to do, you know what I mean? And I see so many high-producing entrepreneurs who create like this bullshit story about how they don't have time to take 20 to 25 minutes out of their day to recognize what their story is that they've created, right? And it's creating so much turmoil in their lives. Like they're not willing to take the time to then shift into a new story that's going to empower them. And so what happens is they attempt to like try to force results to happen. Now, the problem with this is, is the world that we have made as a result of the level of thinking that we have done thus far creates problems that we cannot solve at the same level we created them at. Now, these aren't my words. These were the words of Einstein, and he was supposedly like, you know, a pretty smart dude. Now, I can be honest, I've never met him personally. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I can't back that up. Yet, I'd agree that he was a wise man, and we can probably learn a lot from the guy. So the thing that I'll have you consider here is if you want to solve your problem as quickly as possible, well, it starts by you shifting your state. And the journal prompts I'm going to be walking you through can really help you shift your state quickly and give you an insight into how to take a new action from a new way of being, thus creating a new solution. So what I'm going to be sharing with you is what Byron Katie calls the work. But essentially what I've done is I've, I've taken what she's taught me and loving what is, and I've really added my little something, something to it, you know what I mean? And I really followed her process for, for many, many years, and it's really helped me shift my state. But what happened is it didn't really give me something to do about it after um, shifting my state. So I kind of threw a little little something, something in there. So I call this process shifting story. So let's dive in. So there's pretty much like five steps. So the first step is going to be creating space. The second step is going to be recognizing the story. The third step is going to be shifting the story. And the fourth step is choosing what you want. And the fifth and final step is like integrating the lesson. So let's to kind of start here at step one. So step one is all about creating space. Now, I've looked for the statistics. I learned this from Jeremy Jean Wilson, who I had on the podcast episode two, and he told me a stat once, which was science shows that when we express an emotion that we release 80% of it, and it's a lot easier to deal with 20% of like the emotion uh, rather than 100%. So like if I'm feeling a lot of anger, like a lot of anger towards somebody, 
uh, or a lot of sadness or I'm feeling, you know, super pissed off or whatever. Well, if I can get myself to express that emotion unapologetically in a healthy way, not in another human, but in a healthy way, like here in the journal or, or whatever, like that creates some space, right? I'm like, oh man, I feel better. Just like, it's like almost like a release valve. It's like releasing uh, the pressure a bit. So this is what the first step of this is called is like creating space. And I have like, I don't know, what do we have here? Like, yeah, five questions I'm going to walk you through. And so what happens is I want you to, you know, give yourself permission to unapologetically like express what's going on. So the first question is what, who has triggered you to feel angry, frustrated, pissed off, hurt, upset, or disappointed and why, right? So essentially you're being saying like, well, right now, this person or this situation has triggered me to feel however you feel because of why. So for instance, there was this real estate deal going down once. We were selling this trailer home that we had owned and we, we I think we paid $10,000 for it. And then the market price for it at the time uh, was like 60 and we we're trying to, we had an offer at like 52 and so we we're going to make like 40 something thousand on the deal. And I was like, hey, let's just go ahead and get rid of this. And so we hired this title company and I had, you know, before that, I'm just giving you a little background so you understand. And um, we went through a title company, a title insurance. And so I learned when you have a mobile home, you have to have a title on the house and on the land. And apparently I only had the title on the land and not the house. When I went to sell the house, I didn't know that. So I learned the hard way. And so I hired this new title company to track down the title on the house to secure it. And there was a whole process. And so uh, we went through that. And what happened is we didn't get the deal, uh, the title, and the deal fell through. And so, you know, I lost essentially opportunity costs, like $40,000 on that deal. And so I was really, really angry um, at the title person, right? So I'm going to use that as my example here as I'm walking through. So you can start seeing um, how I allowed myself to unapologetically express to create some space and then how to. I, you know, I use the prompts to take responsibility for that, to figure out, well, what part of it is mine, and then be able to create a story that empowers me to get what I wanted. And so what happened is rather than selling that house for 50-something and netting $40,000, we actually, I think, end up selling it for 62. And so we, we netted like 50-something thousand. So it all, it all worked out in the end, just like it does. The universe makes no mistakes. So, you know, so I went to my journal when this happened. I was super, super, super angry. And so I was like, man, okay, let's just pull out the journal, pull out the pen, and give myself permission to unapologetically express. I'd never share what I'm about to share with you with another human. Like, it lives in my journal. It's just a, a safe outlet for me to just... Whoo, like purge the pain, you know what I mean? So, right, you know, so when I come to this one, it's like, well, right now, you know, this is what's made me feel angry and why I would write down, I'm fucking angry, I'll call this person Angela. It'd be like, I'm fucking angry with Angela because she can't get the title for the home and she's not doing her fucking job, that motherfucker. Like, whatever wants to come through me, I give myself permission to just, like, say it. Like, whatever, tell, you know, quote, unquote, Angela this. No, not, of course not. No, I wouldn't but I'm angry. I'm filled with rage. So rather than me sedating it or suppressing it, just let me be with it because it's going to be able to help me open up some space to be able to um, look at some new possibilities, right? So the second question here is, if you could yell at this individual, what would you say to them right now? So I would say something like, you know, if I, just, if I give myself permission to fully express, right, no filter, 
it would just come through me because in that moment I was angry and it, and it said something like, I would say, Angela, you're a fucking whore and you're lazy as fuck. Fuck you. Do your motherfucking job. Like that's what I would write in my journal because um, that's how angry I was. So the third question was like, if you could force this person to think, say, feel, or do anything, what would it be? So in my journal, I would write down, I would force her to do her fucking job. Number four, if you, with no filter constraints, what do you truly think about this individual right now? Like, just make a list. So I just make a list. Like, Angela's lazy. She doesn't do her fucking job. She doesn't know anything. Why is she even a title agent? Like, she's fucking stupid. Like, I would just boom, 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 give myself permission to make that list. Move into the fifth question here for just creating space. So it's like, what is it about this situation that I don't ever want to experience again? I'm like, I don't ever want to do Angela's job. That's why I'm fucking paying her. So as you can see, like this just gave me permission and it also gives you permission to just express in a healthy way rather than sedating and suppressing. And here in the West, we're like, oh, you can't do that. But I'll have you consider like we're human beings. We have emotions. We have anger that flows through us. We have sexuality that flows through us. We have sadness. We have joy. We have peace. Like we have all of these emotions at our disposal. And when we cut that off from us and we're like, no, that's bad. Can't do that. Um, what happens is we then dampen the flow of source through us. So I just have you consider that there's actually a lot of emotional health to giving yourself permission to express yourself in a healthy way. So it's just out of you. Now, like for me, when I did this at end of that time, I was like, man, I took my anger from like a 10, <laughs> right, to maybe like mm, a six. So I'm still dealing with some anger, but it's created a little bit of space. So once I've created some space, I'm going to then come down into this and start trying to figure out, like, let's recognize the story. Like, what's the belief system that I'm carrying? What's the thought that is then creating all of this anger for me that I was feeling in that moment? So I'd be like, cool, step two, recognize the story. Let's figure that out. So question number one is, in this moment, if you had to put all of your feelings into one singular trigger statement, what would that be? So I would say something like, you know, Angela should do her job, right? Or for some people, it may be Angela shouldn't do whatever. So we're just going to say name of person, should or shouldn't, right? And then we just kind of write down whatever we would want of them. Like, hey, I'd, I would like for them to do this, or this is the advice I'd give them. So in this one, it'd be for me, Angela should do her job. So then number two is like, well, what is the story you're telling yourself that was created by the trigger? So I'm like, well, the story I'm telling myself is that Angela isn't doing her job. So for me, now I'm starting to understand like, okay, so the reason I'm feeling anger, and by the way, all emotions are messengers. And so anger's message to us is we want something to change, right? So I feel lots of anger because I'm, I believe in this moment, at that moment, that Angela um, wasn't doing her job, right? And so I was mad about it because I was paying her. And so I was, I was mad. So now we're coming to question three, which is like, well, is the story true? Like if I became God, if I became consciousness and I went way out of my body and became the observer chooser of all things, like imagine yourself sitting on the moon, looking down on earth and you could see all things and know all things. And you're telling the story like Angela isn't doing her job. It's like, well, is that true? And there's a part of me, it's like, yeah, it's not true. I mean, it's 100% true because Angela's not doing a job. I don't have the title. But then again, coming into question number four, it's like, are you sure the story is 100% true? And the answer is always going to be no here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like, we don't know. Like if we became consciousness, we became God, source, universe, whatever name we want to call it, we, 
we wouldn't know. Like maybe we would have made the same decision as her. You know what I mean? So it's like, hmm, well, maybe it's not 100% true, right? And we just sit in the possibility, like be open to the possibility that's not true. We're like, it's not true. Well, let's explore that as a possibility. So we come up to number five, which is like what feelings come up for you when you believe that story to be true. And we just make a list. I'm like, well, I feel angry. I feel like I have to do her job. I feel like I'm completely wasting my time. Um, I'm just fucking angry. Like I just, that's that, that for me in that moment was true. So then I come into six, which is like, well, what specific thoughts or desired actions arise from those feelings? And again, I just make a list. I'm like, well, I want to punch her in the face. I want to slit her throat. <laughs> I want to put her head on a pike. I want to yell. I want to scream. Now, would I ever like, you know, this is a podcast, so people are going to listen to this. They're like, what the fuck? That guy's crazy. No, again, I'm just, I'm fucking angry and I'm giving myself permission to unapologetically express my anger in a healthy way. And at the same time, like, I can be an in integrity and not violate my values and hurt other humans. Like I can be fucking responsible and so can every other human being if they choose to walk in integrity with their values. So understand that. And also I'm a fucking human and there's times when I'm fucking angry. And so why wouldn't I give myself permission to access some of my power by giving myself permission to just fucking purge that shit out of my system and onto a piece of paper um, in a healthy manner. You get what I'm saying? So I'm just giving you like a very extreme example so you can have some contrast and it opens up some space for you. So on six, I just wrote down like, hey, these are the thoughts. These are the, the actions that arise from those feelings. Like, you know, I'm fucking angry. So then I move into seven. I was like, okay, so if I step back from this story for a second, what do you want in this moment for you, for them, and for both of you? I'm like, well, um, for me, I just want to sell this house. Uh, for her, I want her to be able to get this title um, to this house cleared up so she can get paid for her work. Like, I like her as a human being. I'd, I'd really like to get her paid and get her commission and let her do what she does. You know what I mean? And then I also want for both of us to get paid for selling this property. Like, I, I truly want this to be a win-win, right? So then I come into question number eight, which is like, well, will the current story give you what you want? And so remember, my current story was Angela should uh, should do her job, right? So I was like, well, will that story give you what you want? And I'm like, well, no. Like, is this creating this loop of anger? So then I come into question nine, which is like, well, what may be possible for you in the situation if the current story was false? So I was like, well, I'd be free to call the state myself. I would be free to figure it out. I wouldn't be so angry. Um, I would figure out the plan. And then I'd just have Angela execute on the game plan and we'd be able to move forward pretty quickly. So for me, when I went through you know, this process, just by the end of step two here, step one, create space. Step two, recognize story. For me, my anger went from you know a six down to like, I don't know, I think like a four. And I'm like, oh man, I'm throwing, throwing a little bit more space here, right? Just giving myself permission to purge my pain that I was experiencing in that moment. Like just coming to the journal, giving myself permission to get it out of me. I'm like, man, man, feeling a little bit more peace, feeling a bit more calmness, feeling like I could actually make a good decision now rather than, you know, some irresponsible things. And this is the power of being able to shift your stories, okay? So once we've gone through step one and step two, we come into step three, and this is where the power of this really comes in. Because really, step one and step two is really just helping us create some space 
and also start seeing and recognizing like, hey, what is the story that's creating uh, these feelings for me? So by now we know like, okay, well, this is what's causing these feelings. And this step three, shifting the story, this is where we start getting back into power. So to start the shifting process, what I want you to do is list out the original story that you've identified in that whole step two of recognizing the story section. And so you just, you just list it out. And like, so for me in this example, it was Angela should do her job. So you just write down whatever the person's name is or a part of yourself or whatever should or shouldn't do whatever the advice is. So in this example, it was Angela should do her job. That was the original story, right? So we're going to go through three different shifts. And you're going to objectively look at them as the objective observer and like choose which one's going to empower you to create the results you want. So shift number one is putting yourself to the subject. So since the original story was Angela should do her job, uh, shift one, when I put myself as the subject, it is I should do Angela's job, right? Now, when I first wrote that, there was a part of me that was like, no, I should, I'm paying her. But again, I'm committed to getting into power. I'm committed to finding a possibility to create a new, um, like a new state, right? A new solution. Okay. I'm shifting my state. So I'm like, okay, I should do Angela's job. So then I'm asking myself, well, let me, how could that be true? Like, how could that be true? I'm not saying it is true. I'm just saying, how could it be true? And staying in a place of like childlike wonder and curiosity and be like, hmm, how could that be true that I should do Angela's job? And then just list like three reasons that it could be true. Doesn't mean that it is, but it could be. How could it be true? So I'm like, well, I should do Angela's job. Uh, that could be true because, I mean, it is my house. I'm the one who's making forty, fifty thousand dollars on this thing. She's only making, you know, four hundred or a thousand or whatever it is. Um, it could be true because it's my responsibility at the end of the day. Um, it could be true because maybe she's maybe she's done her job. I, I don't know. I guess that could be a reason. And so again, this is even creating more space for me. And I'm like, okay, well that's a potentiality. So now we come into shift number two, which is changing the belief to the opposite. So remember the original story was Angela should do her job. So the opposite would be Angela is doing her job. And again, I get back into that place of childlike curiosity and wonderment, and I list three reasons of how that story could be true, how Angela is doing her job could be true. And so then I'm able to start seeing, well, Angela did send the letters to uh, where the title, who, who, who on record, it, you know, she tracked that down and she sent them the letter. It just came back signed. She tried again. She's followed the procedure. So Huh, I guess she is doing her job. Now, when I got to this place, man, when I got to this place for myself, I was like, holy shit, I've been so angry because I've been carrying the story that Angela should do her job. And now I'm like, I just listed three reasons of why she actually is doing her job. Fuck, I'm an asshole. <laughs> and like this, this opened up a new possibility. And that took my anger from like a four down to like one where I wasn't even angry anymore. I was just like, man, how silly of it for me to be angry. I mean, she did her job. Holy shit. So then I come into shift three, which is just changing the belief to what you want most. And so for me, I was like, okay, it's time for me to do this because Angela's done her job and I'm the one making $40,000 or more from this deal. So then I'm like, well, we'll list three reasons how that could be true. And I'm like, well, that could be true because she did send the letters and she did do her job and I'm the one making the money from this deal. And so it's my time to get the numbers from state from her and then I'll call them and I'll figure out what is plan A, B, C, D, E, F, and G until I get to Z and I will figure, I'll figure this out, right? 
And so by the end of this, now I'm like, I'm like, have so much space, so much possibility. I'm out of drama. I'm back into a pace of uh, a place of power and I can move into step four, which is choosing what you want. So the question for this one, which is after shifting your story, which version of the story helps you get what you want and why? So essentially the journal prompt is I'm choosing whatever version, right? You had the original version. You have uh, the first version, which is putting yourself as the subject. The second version, which is changing the belief to the opposite. And the third version, which is changing the belief to just what you want. You just make up the story. It's like if you don't like the story, like you're the author of your own book, just write a new chapter. Like just a lot of paper and pen and legitimately create a new story, right? So I was like, well, I'm going to choose um, the, the version of, you know, shift one because Angela has done her job, right? And I'm like, well, why? Well, she sent the letters. She followed her procedures as much as possible. She even gave me the number to call the state myself. So since I'm the one making the most money, this is my deal. I'm going to call the state. I'm going to figure this out and we're good, right? So then question number two here is like, well, what are you committed to doing within the next 48 hours? And this is what I like. And the step four um, is not uh, what Byron Katie teaches in Loving What Is. This is like my little my little something something about it because it, it allows me to shift my state. Now my being has shifted. So now I'm like, let's get into solution solving mode. You see what I'm saying? So I'm like, okay, so I'm committed to whatever action. And so for me that day is like, look, I'm committed to blocking off my day tomorrow. I'm going to call the state as many times as needed to figure out every single plan of action to secure this title. And once I have all of that information, I'm going to give that to Angela and then I'm going to proceed down every single path if necessary. And we're going to get this deal closed. Now, the crazy thing about this is once I just, I took, I think it took me like 25, 30 minutes to go through this whole process I'm sharing with you from top to bottom. Once I did this, I called the state that day or the following day, I think it was, I got, I think there was four potentialities of if this happens and this happens, if that happens and this happens. And I just, I had a really nice lady. I think I had to end up calling her three times. Um, but anyway, I, I got the answers and I was like, okay, plan A, B, C, D. And that was like, that was it. And I even asked the lady today, I was like, okay, what if plan D doesn't work? What do we, is there a plan E? And she's like, oh baby, if that doesn't work, you're just screwed. And I've never seen anybody get to plan D. So I think you're going to be okay. And I was like, all right, I got it. So then I gave that information to Angela. And honestly, within 48 hours, like the deal was closed. And like I told you at the beginning, like we sold that house for I think 62, 61, something of that nature. And so we actually ended up making $10,000 more than the original offer, which is great. But we had to go through all of these lessons to be able to get there. So that's step four. Now, the next piece of this, which also is not uh, within Byron Katie's work, is uh, what I call step five, which is like integrate the lesson. So it's a couple it's a couple very simple questions, but it's just a way for you to anchor the lesson because like I told you, like relationships are the mirror of how we relate to ourselves and others. And so if we can become aware of this, then there's so many life lessons that are here to help us evolve our soul and up-level our capacity for power that translates into every single area of life. So I always do step five, which is like question number one, what have you learned from the situation about yourself? And sometimes it, it really helps to look under the details. So for example, like maybe the situation looked like it was all about Angela not doing her job, but if you really look under, you know, the quote unquote facts of the situation, you actually start seeing a pattern. And so like for me, the revelation was like, man, I like overreact and I totally take things as a personal attack. Like that's, that's pretty intense. Like that's the thing that I've learned about myself. So it's like, okay, well in the future, I just need to make sure that 
if I am feeling some anger, let me use, you know, the shifting stories process to express and purge that anger, but like get, get back in alignment, a place of power to figure out like, well, what is this is mine and what is a a real solution? Because all this other stuff is complete and utter bullshit. And so it's like, man, I'm learning about myself that I have a tendency to, to really overreact a little bit and I need to like calm down a little bit. You know what I mean? And that was big. And then, so then the last question, step two, or question number two here is like, well, if it's applicable, how does the lesson apply to your health, wealth, relationships, and, or your core identity? And so for me, and I'm like, okay, well, how am I overreacting in my health? Does that reply, like apply? And I looked at that and I'm like, nah, I'm pretty good. I'm like, well, what about my wealth? Is that, is that impacting it? And for me, it was like, yeah, if I'm, if I'm really going to lead a team and continue to grow my business here, like, and make more money, I can't overreact and act like a child. Like this is fucking stupid. I can't just take everything as a personal attack. That's that's re- that's retarded. And so again, I was like, well, how does that lesson apply? And it's like, well, again, if I'm really committed to building wealth, um, I get to really learn how to like sit in the pocket and just like look at things objectively as quick as possible. You see what I'm saying? And so this is just a way to like integrate and anchor the lesson. And if you'll take the time to complete like these little journal prompts, like what have you learned about, you know, about yourself in the situation? How is this lesson applied to your health, wealth, relationships, and or core identity? By writing it down, you anchor the lesson. So in the future, when something happens, you're just like, ooh, I remember that lesson. I'm not going to overreact. I'm not going to take this as a personal attack. I'm going to seek to understand and I'm going to like move forward with, with like with this process. You know what I mean? So that's it, man. Like that's the document, uh, the process for shifting stories. And this has really served me. It's really served my clients. And like this is my process for shifting stories and getting back into a place of power. And one of the things I want to say here is like I look at this stuff like it's a martial art form, like ninjutsu or something. You know what I mean? Like just be open to understanding that there's belts to the game. Like what I've given you here today is kind of like this white belt version, you know, but the only way to really master this stuff is to pretty much just like get on the mat and and roll. And so understand it's probably going to be messy. Your technique is probably going to be ugly and it's fucking perfect, right? Like that's how you learn. So give yourself permission to get on the mat and roll for it's the only way that you learn. Like there was this season of my life where I was like following these journal prompts like every single day. And then after about six months or so, I had like leveled up and it just became the way that my mind would just start to think about things. And I could just pretty much process this stuff and do this type of things on the fly. And then, you know, I always say like, hey, I, I kind of graduated to my blue belt or my purple belt or whatever, right? And yet there's also at times like certain moments of my life where like shit gets fucking real and it gets spicy. You know what I mean? And when that happens, like, you know what I do? I open up these prompts, I pull out my journal, and I get to work because I know a problem cannot be solved in the same state it was created. And so why would I waste my time? So I might as well just like do the real work to create real solutions because I have no desire to argue over what should or shouldn't be. Like I've learned like that's the illusion. That's like complete and utter bullshit. Let me just fall in love with what is and find that place of power. So my invitation to you this day is this. Where in your life are you giving too much time and energy to how things should or shouldn't be? What relationship in your life are you giving too much time and energy to how they should or shouldn't be? And what may be possible for you if you simply aligned with the truth and genuinely chose to love what is? So that's going to do it for this episode of the Anthony Johnny Mix podcast. But before we go, I want to offer you the opportunity to take your life and business to the next level. 
In this episode, I shared with you what you need to know to take back your power in relationships and level up to a new level of intimacy and connection. But my friend, this is just the beginning of unlocking like that next level of freedom, purpose, and success for you. Like this is just the beginning of mastering the game of relationships. Like I know with some personal guidance and the right group of people around you, like dude, like the sky is the limit. So I'd actually like to invite you to sign up for my brand new 12-week program called Shift. My good friend Jonathan Hess and I have teamed up to make Shift into the number one resource in the world to help entrepreneurs eradicate limiting beliefs in self-sabotage and master the reality so they experience the freedom, purpose, and success their soul longs for. Now, this program is a way deeper dive into what you learned in this episode. Plus, it's like a lot more around self-mastery. We're starting the beta version of this program in April, and we're only choosing to accept 20 founding members into the new program. And as a beta member, not only will you get access to the training, but every single week, um, you actually get access to deep coaching with myself and Jonathan to make sure that you get the breakthroughs and the transformations required for upgrading your way of being, which have a massive impact on all of the things that you do. Now, I'm only allowing 20 people to join us as founding members for this program. So if you're serious about joining, then simply just send me an email to aj at ajamex.com or send me a DM on Facebook at facebook.com slash ajamex. And we'll just kind of talk about the details of you joining, make sure you're a good fit. And understand that as a founding member for the beta version of Shift, you will actually also get 50% off the price of the program. And uh, since you listen to this podcast, if you decide to become a founding member, and if you let me know you're a listener, I, I will totally, totally be happy to hook you up with an epic bonus just for joining. Now, I'm super stoked about kicking off this program. It's going to be amazing. This is stuff that I have, man, been teaching, man, pretty much behind closed doors, all my private clients. Um, a lot of stuff we've been doing at Uprising for the past three years. And <laughs> like, I've seen the transformation of people. I've, I've seen them like it totally shift who they're being and I've seen it impact their bank accounts in a positive way. I've seen it impact marriages in positive ways. I've seen it impact their relationships with self, like everything about their life changes for the better when they do this work and really shift who they're being at like a soul level at a cellular level. So if you want in on, on shift, you want to be a beta, you know, part of the beta version of this, you want to be a founding member, just shoot me an email to aj at ajamix.com uh, or just send me a DM on Facebook, facebook.com slash ajamix. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Anthony John Amix podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, my friend, I'm out. Peace. That's all for this episode of the Anthony John Amix podcast, but we have plenty more to help you achieve a life of freedom, purpose, and success. Head on over to ajamix.com for exclusive resources, information, and tools to break through to new levels of peace, power, and profit. We look forward to having you back for the next episode of the Anthony John Amix podcast. Bye for now.